cash flow. Item 19, digital marketing, estate planning. If those terms cause you to pause even for a second, this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser. We cover a new topic each week, clearly and concisely. Business insights not piled on you like you are a buffet plate, but each topic broken down and easy to digest. Welcome to Small Bites of Business Insights. Hello, this is Kathy, and here is my good friend from Profit Soup, Barb Ness. So Barb, when we were brainstorming about this podcast series, you know, we were thinking of topics that would really help entrepreneurs to build better, more valuable businesses. And the first thing you said to me was, we need to start with the end in mind. Can you explain what you meant by that? Sure. You know, people get into business for lots of reasons, but we always have to remember that the goal is to eventually get out of the business better than you were when you got in. So, you know, let's consider two different approaches to having a business in your career. One owner starts out with this vision that they want to sell their business in five years for $5 million. And the other just kind of hopes for the best. I'll just tell you that the person with the clear goal is going to go further And so I thought it made sense for us to talk about how do you envision that and how do you come up with using that goal as a pathway to your growth? Yeah, you know, that sounds so simple, but can you give us a little bit more on why you think that is? Well, when we have a clear destination and we know where we're starting from, then we can map out a journey, right? Mm -hmm. And we're less likely to go down the rabbit hole, go down the wrong pathway, Uh, When we know what that value is that we want to build by when, we can establish these interim milestones that will get us there. So when we have this clear understanding of how a business is valued, then we can define the sales and the profits that we need to support that $5 million price tag that we're after. So that begs the question, how are businesses valued? Well, um, professional appraisers and accountants have a whole bunch of formulas they go through and they calculate a whole bunch of numbers and they'll list a bunch of values from like $80,000 one method to four and a half million another method and say the value's right in there somewhere. But it's a range. So nobody's actually going to say this is what your business is worth because it's all dependent on what a buyer and a seller will agree upon. But what does a buyer want. They want to make money. So when it gets down to the end of the day, it's going to be valued based on the business's potential to make a profit. Okay. So an investor is going to buy if they think that the price that they would pay is going to yield a return on investment that meets their investment requirements. And profit is the return they're going to get. So a business that produces more profits, more valuable, right? Right. So when they decide how much they're going to pay, the first question is, how much profit does the business produce? All right. Now that makes sense. But I've also heard people say that a business value is a multiple of that profit, like three, four, or even five times earnings. How is the multiple determined? Okay. Great question. So the multiple reflects the investor's desired return on investment. So let me kind of Uh, lay something out here though. If they're willing to pay five times annual profit, they expect a 20% return on their investment because they're going to say, I'll get back 20% per year. Let me put it a different way. If they use a multiple of four, they expect a 25% ROI. 
a multiple of three reflects a 33 and a third percent ROI. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Can you give us an example of that, though? Yeah, that makes it a little more clear to get. So let's take a business that's got a proven track record of earning profits of $100,000 a year. Mm -hmm. I'll pay less for that business if I think it's risky, right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I might get that or I might not. I'll pay more for it if it's like a sure bet. So there's higher risk, higher return. Correct. So let's just say that based on the risk, I think I should yield a 20% return on my investment. So I'll ask the question, $100,000 in profit is 20% of what number? $100,000 divided by 0.2, right, is uh-huh. $500,000. So unfortunately, I'm bad at math. And so I hate to divide. And so it's easier for me to multiply by something. So I can multiply it by five is the same as dividing something by 0.20. So a multiplier of five gives me a 20% return on investment, a multiplier of four gives me 25%. And if it takes a 33% ROI to make me want to buy this business, I'd use a multiplier of three. Okay, so that part's clear. I understand that math. But how does the investor know if they should be yielding a 20% ROI or a 33% ROI? This is like what you said before, higher risk, higher return. Mm -hmm. So part of it is about the condition of the business. So if it's disorganized, if it's not well run, it's higher risk. And so an investor is going to want a higher return. So they're going to pay less for it to start with. So if it's success, if the business success is due to like one really smart, very dedicated working owner, and that owner is leaving when they sell, that's high risk. All of these things are going to factor into the investor's decision as to what's the return that I require based on the risk. And certain industries are inherently risky. Mm -hmm. So like, hey, a prudent buyer must find out what the multiples are that typically get used when businesses like them get sold. Okay, got you there. But let's bring this into the franchise world. How is it different valuing a franchised business? If there are still really good viable territories available in the system, it's really easy to determine what the alternative would cost. I could either buy this business or I could invest in another one and start it up. So that's like a replacement cost, right? The problem is it's going to take a while before you get to that point where you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, and you might rather purchase the one that's already making a hundred thousand. So if there's no territories left, it might put a premium on that franchise business, right? Uh, So so that kind of throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into thing, but typically. In a franchise organization, if there are some trades that have happened, um, the franchise system may know what the multiples are that have been used in the past. So you might be able to get that information more easily than if it wasn't in a franchised business. Mm -hmm. But um, the thing about a franchise system is that because you have somebody helping with the operations and providing that structure, and there's a recipe, a cookbook approach that you can follow, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's going to yield a higher potential price because there's support available for a new owner 
that wouldn't be there for like an independent business. So there are some nuances to consider. Um, there's usually more information available about marketability in a franchise organization than just mm-hmm. say a, a shop on the corner. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. So I understand all that. That's great. So tell us how that knowledge helps a new business owner plan for the future. Well, of course, we're going to start with the end in mind, right? So again, we're going to compare the experience of this entrepreneur who had that clear vision of value to one who's just hoping everything's going to work out. And remember, the end that we had in mind was to sell that business for $5 million in five years. Mm -hmm. So what is it that we're going to need to do to build that value? And let's just say that I've learned businesses in my franchise system typically trade for five times earnings, which means investors expect a 20% return on investment. Mm -hmm. So now I have to ask myself the question, how much profit would the business need to produce to be worth 5 million, right? Mm -hmm. So 5 million divided by five, it says that I now need to convince an investor that they would earn a million dollars a year from their $5 million investment to get Mm -hmm. that 20%, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So now I look at my system-wide benchmarks because this franchisor tracks how what performance comes from their system. And I'm going to work out what are sales are needed to yield that annual profit. So let's just say if the typical net profit in that system is 10% to the bottom line, that means I'd need to produce a million dollars and $10 million in sales to make a million dollars in profit 10%, right? Right, right. But that sounds like a lot with my franchising experience. Uh, Most franchises don't produce that much revenue. Well, not from one location, right? right? So uh, lots of franchisees build enterprises that do drive $10 million in sales. They may not do it from a single location. It might take more than one territory. So this is where the pathway gets outlined here. It determines how many locations or territories that I'm going to need to develop my $5 million value in my five-year timeline that I've set as my goal. That makes sense. Now I get it. So we now have a vision for how many locations it's going to take to reach the goal of having an investment worth $5 million. Yes. And the franchisee with the plan now they know how many locations that it's going to take to get to that 10 million in sales. Mm -hmm. They might be able to do it with one location. Probably not. It's probably more likely that maybe they have two locations that produce 5 million each, or maybe four locations that produce two and a half million each. So now you've got a choice to say, what's the pathway to drive those sales? Yeah. And it really sounds like it depends on the franchise concept. You know, if the average sales for location is only a million, uh, you might need five. Right. Or you might need to be better than average. Yeah, there you go. You know, there's always somebody that's better than average. And maybe you could do it using needing four or less. So typically the people that have these goals and that look at it this way, they're better than average. I right. Think, they oh, tend to yeah. be top performers because there's there's I, I can't prove it. I don't have the science behind it. But I can tell you from my life's experience that there's a correlation between success and goals. Mm -hmm. People who have them get there faster. I think you're so right. And now this pathway is really starting to become clear. Right. So we could set our goal of having four locations, say, at an average of a million and a quarter a year each, Mm -hmm. 10% profit. 
And if we can reach that goal within five years, we've now established that pathway to our $5 million value. Yeah, that beats the alternative of just opening a single location and hoping for the best. Right, because, you know, hope is not a strategy. (laughs) But even if it does work out well, the owners without the goals and plans, they're more likely to sit on their heels when it worked out well, because, oh, I'm really successful. This is great. As opposed to putting your foot on the gas and saying, hey, I only have four more years to get those other ones open. So they wouldn't have that sense of urgency to start ramping up the second location so they can reach that vision of value. And they're typically just not as focused on moving the ball forward. It will take them longer or they may not get the value at all. Boy, this has been really great. It really helps us understand, again, with the end in mind is where do I want to end up and build back from that. So the development plan is really needed to place your goals. Um, Barb, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts about this topic today. Certainly appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate being asked because this is my point of passion. If you start with the end in mind and you have that vision, you will get there. Thank you to our partner in the financial section of Small Bites of Business Insights, Ms. Barbara Ness. Barbara is the owner of Profit Soup, which is a company that will provide you with training and support for all your financial needs in franchising. Small Bites of Business Insights is brought to you by the Young Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. If you have a question or comment for us, just send us an email at feedback at smallbitesofbusinessinsights.com. 